This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode 596. I really believe that you need to raise money when you can and not necessarily when you need it. And one of the decisions that we made is to start uh, to start around that eventually uh, we finished uh, on March 31st. Sometimes you're waiting for a crisis, sometimes not. But if you well prepare and you make sure that you have uh, sufficient reserve to execute your strategy, don't wait. Don't wait for the right time because the majority of the time there is no there is no such things. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Tomer Pinches, CFO of Cryon of Tel Aviv, Israel, specializing in robotic process automation. Cryon closed on its latest round of financing in late March. We speak to Tomer about the RPA opportunity and how COVID-19 is helping to expose new areas for development. We begin after these words from a loyal sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful@planful.com. Hello, we're speaking with Tomer Pinches, CFO of Cryon. Tomer, welcome. Great to be here, Jeff. Tomer, we're going to begin by asking you to look back for us uh, and share with us some of those experiences you feel prepared you for a finance leadership role. What comes to mind for you? I would like to basically start my career experience with kind of few short story about uh, my step in my career. You know, like many other CFO, I started my career at a public accounting firm. I think my, my, my story is, uh, is quite unique because after the bankruptcy of Enron and WorldCom and the Sabrance Oxley regulation, I got an opportunity to move with, uh, with my family from Israel to New York City and to start working for PwC in the audit assurance department. Uh, for me, on, on a personal level, leaving Israel and everything I was familiar with into a different challenges, cultural, language, work environment, 
and even technology uh, required a very quick adjustment on many aspects. But I think one is a very important to know for a CFO role in a global environment who is working with employees from all over the world, with employees, with suppliers, investors, board members. Uh, basically, for the CS CFO is to have the ability to listen and to better understand the behavior, culture, needs of the people you are working with. I really, as a person, really believe in the statement that you already know what you already know. But if you listen, you will probably learn something new. Who taught you how to listen? I'm interrupting because I think it's a great uh, insight. It's a lesson that not everyone learns earlier in their career. I think in general, you know, in Israel, uh, you work mainly with Israelis. Um, direct approach, sometimes, uh, sometimes even aggressive. While you start working globally, uh, especially with American uh, uh, people from all over the world, uh, and working for manage, manager from different states, for me, it was from one angle a challenge, from the other angle a great opportunity to find myself kind of a weak situation uh, in terms of uh, language barrier uh, uh, and, and, and culture barrier that caused me to listen much more than I was listening in Israel. You had a certain amount of self-awareness knowing your own culture, knowing that maybe uh, you were more direct and forthcoming than other cultures. And therefore, you began to listen to how people explain things. Maybe they were less direct. Maybe they, they were more you know, passive. Uh, how, how am I doing? Am I, am I correct or no? Totally, totally correct. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, unlike many of us who are just operating in a culture we're familiar of, you knew you had to become this, this chronic listener. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get quiet now and allow you to, uh, to share uh, some other experiences. But thank you uh, for letting me interrupt. Okay. I, I, basically, my next career opportunity actually started in Central Park. I was running with my friends, who was a salesperson at Divitel. It's a global video surveillance company. And he asked me basically whether I know anyone from my PwC friends who fits for a corporate controller. Um, it took me a few weeks basically to recommend on myself and get this position after a few interviews. Uh, I have to say that my first few months were promising. The company was towards an IPO process. Uh, the, the CFO and the bookkeeper that were working in the company for the past eight years uh, gave me a great, uh, a great welcome, although many things were missing in terms of the finance KPI, etc. But I felt comfortable. But, but apparently, uh, uh, the IPA process went south. Uh, and a few months after, both the CFO uh, and the second finance lady, which was uh, the company all-around bookkeeper, uh, left the company. And I was uh, the only finance guy left uh, within the company. We're talking about approximately 150 employees based in five continents all over the world. Uh, and I need to run the, the finance and the operation with the limited knowledge. I just... Uh, uh, 
I just moved with a public accounting firm about six months, uh, six months prior. And, uh, and one thing that, that I remember, like it, uh, it happened yesterday, that the chairman called me to his office and, tell me Tom, and told me, Tomer, you won't be able to handle everything until you start building the finance team from scratch. But please just, keep, just make sure you keep uh, three things in mind. And it's as follows. How much money you have in the bank? How much your customer owe you? And make sure that you pay payroll on time because otherwise it will start uh, uh, getting shaky. Back then, uh, while I started building the team, basically I was a temporary CFO for about a wheel. Uh, for about a year, building the finance team. And although I got a very g- good feedback from my co-workers, management, and, C- uh, and even the CEO, after a year, the CEO explained to me that uh, the company needs a very senior CFO with a gray air uh, for this period, for strategy, for raising money, uh, maybe to go try to uh, for a second chance for the, IP- for the IPO. And although I was very disappointed for a moment, from my perspective, it was, a, it was another great uh, uh, learning experience. To learning from a senior guy, to enhance my finance, uh, uh, my operating and strategy skills, and many things that basically I kept doing even after a new CFO came abroad. But on the other hand, my involvement in the strategy, while I'm not kind of leading this process with uh, with limited knowledge uh, and, and and basically keep learning uh, was a great 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 experience for me and 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 basically um, after the 2008 crisis uh, I got my opportunity uh, the company replaced the CEO uh, the, C- the new CEO changed the, uh, uh, changed the majority of the company management and, uh, and nominating me as a CFO of the company. I got a great, great opportunity after all the learning curve and experience to work closely with the entire executive management team. And the message, which was different from the previous CEO, it was all about execution. So we changed the structure of the company. We added many goals and KPIs. We create very, very, very strict uh, uh, procedure for the company. It's not that you couldn't deviate from those procedures, but the procedure was written. Uh, so it's become a super, super organized company uh, with a strict financial statement uh, on a monthly basis with a very, very organized data room that can, can assist you at any moment with raising money or go to IPO or M&A, etc. And after about five years together, that we pretty much built the company other than technology from scratch, although the vision was changed, the company uh, was acquired by, uh, by, FLIR, by FLIR. And this is, for me, was... An amazing, amazing closure uh, on the personal level and for the company level, uh, and after a crazy roller coaster. And if I would like to 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 kind of give one insight with all the experience that I had is is first 
to work on. And also, uh, or in parallel, prepare yourself and wait for your opportunity, both on a personal level and the, and the company level. I, you know, just to, um, I just want to make sure I understood the, was it the, the CEO left and the CFO uh, pulled you into the CFO role or was it somebody else? The CEO was, was uh, replaced and the new CEO basically changed the entire um, executive management team, including nominating me to the CFO. I see, the I see. And I know this was over a period of years. Uh, Tomer, so I'm just trying to just trying to cl- clarify that you first told us that a uh, there was a more seasoned CFO who stepped in, and that was a positive experience for you. Was that correct? Yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. At the beginning, it was quite uh, kind of disappointing that I was the not the one nominating to take the role of the uh, permanent CFO, but at the end. After I saw the the person that they brought in with all kinds of experience and, and, and many things that I learned during this process, uh, it was an amazing, amazing, uh, um, you know, opportunity. Was there a particular meeting where you first met the new finance leader and over a period of weeks you collaborated and it, it, it occurred to you that this was a good fit? You know, I, I don't think it was quite simple. I think it was a matter of trust. Uh, uh, I think what eventually happened that uh, 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 the new CFO trusted everything that I was doing and let me keep running the finance and the operation uh, as I was doing by myself in the past uh, in the past year. He also saw the great team that uh, that I built from scratch, and eventually he got me involved in many strategic and uh, operational decisions. The CFO who brought you into more strategy discussions than you had been in the past. The CFO. Did he ever bring you perhaps into a, a meeting with the board where you presented? Or did you, did you get a sense that you were really being given this exposure in other ways? Part of the kind of amazing journey that we went together, because remember, and as, as I mentioned before, I was a temporary CFO for about a year, uh, participating and attending and presenting on all a, a kind of board meetings. So this is something that even after the fact that he was nominated to a new CFO, basically let me continue presenting um, many activity in the operation and the finance department through the board as well. Well, the the one thought that you shared that I thought was so powerful and that so many, I think, finance leaders have to think about is how you said that you knew he trusted you. and. Uh, that that's very powerful because uh, to get into a position where someone uh, doesn't reveal that trust, where someone is second guessing and undermining, is just not a good place to be. Uh, but so it's really important that finance leaders understand that they have to they have to trust their people and they have to reveal that they trust their people. How am I doing? Is that with that it, just to put a nice exclamation? Mark behind your thought there. Sorry, I, I promise to stop interrupting now. 
No, no, no. You are not interrupting at all. You just kind of give me, give me, give, give me a closure. Sometimes you, would, you know, would like to repeat myself again. But uh, no, I'll be quiet now. I promise. I think you had one more uh, experience you were going to share. So basically, after we sold the the company, I was in few mo- months transition, and then I was kind of thinking about uh, my next career experience, what I would like to do. And something came up that it said the beginning, I was not thinking this will be my first choice. But while I would start talking to people, I realized that there is a chance that for my next opportunity, I'll bring all my knowledge from Divitel into, uh, into a new opportunity. And I started to work for a company called MyThings, a company in the ad tech industry, basically with a great, great, great uh, uh, product. However, uh, we are talking on about uh, 2016, while Facebook uh, uh, is already heavily there. Great technology, but very competitive market. In addition to this, uh, the companies have many customers, but was relying on one major customer. When I got the position, I thought to myself, it was always kind of problematic to rely on a major customers because it's kind of difficult to identify the company, whether it's a product company or a project company, while we need to pro- uh, prioritize uh, R&D, vision, and strategy. And, and, and my goal when uh, uh, I took the position uh, is basically to try to do a turnaround, uh, reduce the reliability of, uh, of this customer, and enhance the activity uh, in the U.S. market. I would say in general that uh, for a long time we succeeded in the uh, in the first two, but unfortunately, you know, a few weeks after my arrival to the company, uh, the major customer gave us a notice that uh, that in three months uh, it will cancel uh, it will cancel the agreement. Uh, so it was almost a two years while we are raising money and trying to build successfully the operation in the U.S. And even at certain point, uh, got a, a proposal for an M&A and almost uh, uh, sold the company. Uh, however, right before... I would say the the closing. It wasn't a super attractive amount, but it will uh, assist us to maintain the the, the entire employees. Um, uh, we basically wouldn't be able to complete this uh, uh, this transaction. And what happened? And this is something that uh, that also will lead me uh, at the end, kind of of the podcast, to talk about. Uh, cash, cash availability, and cash behavior, that at this point, while you're pretty much motivated to sell the company, you always need to make sure what is the cash availability. And while you look on the cash availability, you always need to take into consideration all the liabilities that you have either in the books or uh, outside of the books uh, uh, to make sure that you are not kind of uh, almost a bankruptcy mode. So this was kind of an episode. So from one angle, 
I thought that after losing the customer, this company will will, will be bankrupt within uh, within few weeks. Will be a, will be able to survive almost two years while building a great 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 operation, uh, uh, both in the U.S. and uh, and in Europe. Uh, but apparently, after so many years within the company and uh, major amount of funding that. Uh, uh, that was uh, kind of injected to the company. We left. Uh, we left without without cash and uh, had to kind of close the operation and the company. So, from my perspective, from one angle, I have the experience of uh, uh, with Divitel that uh, the end of the 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 end results are quite uh, quite pink, and on the other end. Uh, to have this kind of experience that although we did major right things in terms of the turnaround, but maybe it probably was too late. But both experience uh, was amazing, amazing uh, uh, for me personally and lead me towards uh, many decisions that I'm currently making uh, with crime. Okay, some some great experiences there. I mean, we learn on both ends of the uh, the success spectrum. So thank you for sharing those. Uh, so we're gonna have to uh, jump forward, Tomer. I'm sorry, I've asked you a few extra questions, which uh, has eaten away at our time. Uh, but we want to find out about Cryon and uh, just tell us what what does this company do and what are its offerings today. Okay, uh, basically, uh, Cryon system providing enterprise with a computer vision and AI power robotic process automation. We basically using bots software to automate simple repetitive tasks that any employees in any industry under any application doing on a daily basis. So think about repetitive task that that we are doing on a daily basis and with our software we can automate those processes i'll give basically few few example of what we what we are doing even under the covid-19 for example we had now the ministry uh, the ministry of health in israel basically got all the test of the coronavirus uh, into a system and one of the main, I would say, uh, health services in Israel called Maccabi. And they need, uh, and basically they need those results immediately to bring into the system. They called us about three weeks ago. It was Friday. And they told us basically that with their employees, it will take them about one to two months to transfer all the information from, uh, the Ministry of Health to their system. It took us about 48 hours to transfer, I would say, thousands of uh, tests from the Ministry of Health system into uh, into their system. There are many situations right now that we are facing, even prior to the coronavirus, but just related. For example, many people right now would like to delay certain mortgages. So think about that, that the employees in the bank start providing certain details and, and put certain details in the system. This is exactly a process that we can automate within 
pretty much 24 or 48 hours. There are many claims on credit card companies, claims on insurance that we can automate. So almost every repetitive uh, uh, process can be uh, can be automated. Something very attractive that we came up right now during this during this uh, uh, period, and basically provided providing pretty much to all customers for free for three months. It's called full cycle automation. Basically, it's a single platform that instead of you trying to discover and optimize uh, and deploy the 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 uh, and automate the process, we have one what we call full cycle automation that we are providing for free to, for three months to pretty much any customer, taking into consideration that the assistance, even under these difficult times that you will get from our software, um, will easily automate many, many processes within his organization uh, and assist him in the future. Okay, well, thank you for that overview. Now, we always like to ask about your arrival and as you stepped into that role did you have to reorganize things in some way did you reorganize finance make a key hire look to see what processes needed to be added or upgraded so uh uh cryon is a company that basically was incorporated in 2008 uh, with great technology uh, great patents uh, however until 2017 the, co- uh, the the total size of the company was about 18 employees once they hire a new CEO. CEO. I joined the company uh, about two years ago. We are at about 50 to 60 employees. Um, say lack of management, lack of KPIs, uh, even lack of uh, a, a finan- a financial department. What, is very, what was very important for me, based on my experience from the beginning, is first to make sure uh, uh, we start hiring uh, a critical executive within this company. Secondly, to create the transparency through uh, certain super, super important KPIs from my perspective. Just to clarify, uh, Cryon is kind of on the on the software as a service, uh, annual recurring revenue, which I immediately identify that kind of the most important things is the the funnel, customer satisfaction, of course, measuring cash, but not necessarily when I say measuring cash in terms of uh, just OPEX. I think OPEX is quite easy to to measure, but also the net burn. So we were looking on the funnels in terms of uh, the leads and the conversion and the, the satisfaction of the customers in terms of in terms of churn, upsell, uh, and of course the uh, uh, the annual recurring revenue. What I was trying to bring into uh, the company is really create a, a transfer, transparency and set of KPIs that influence the entire business. Sometimes, you know, in, in finance department, I saw that there is kind of one dimension of looking on certain budget, on certain expenses, etc. 
what I was trying to do uh, is to be basically second to the CEO and build a company, KPIs, uh, that will provide insight, all and transparency and alignment across the company, regardless if you are managing of customer success, marketing, uh, sales, uh, R&D, uh, or finance, of course. So uh, in addition to that, I enhance also the financial department, which one major position that I brought is, is an FP&A that other than the great system that we start building together, it was super, super important to see behind the scene the uh, certain, uh, certain insight. So from my perspective, it was important for me to have a person other than me to work directly with each one of uh, the executive management within the organization and to support them, not just in terms of here is the details, also on the operational side, uh, to make sure that certain decisions we are making and improving also take an action on the day by day. Okay. Well, this is a SaaS company, so uh, we have a strong suspicion that we're going to be talking about renewable revenues, lifetime customer value. But what would you, uh, what metrics would you share with us? What are the the metrics, the numbers you look at before your first cup of coffee in the morning? So first, I look on the uh, annual recurring revenue, basically uh, on the ARR. I look uh, also on the uh, net cash burn. Uh, that I see that also influenced by uh, uh, the total uh, booking and collection. I look on the on the churn itself. Any customer that kind of in a flight risk because it tell me a lot uh, about uh, the current situation of the product, about the implementation, about. Uh, the satisfaction Uh, and sometimes you find while you analyze it deeply and you don't look at it as a coincidence uh, you find common ground between one customer to another and I think for us as a finance department by looking on those numbers uh, because I really believe that uh, uh, show me the numbers don't tell me the story uh, uh, show me the numbers and I will tell you the story. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, I, I believe that by looking on those insights, uh, you really uh, be able to predict certain behavior, even predict the future on many, many aspects. Uh, and by teaching your executive not to just you know, be, be close to their feelings uh, by analyzing those metrics uh, and the behavior, even if it's a, a, a customers or some other KPIs, uh, you find the unified solution across the management while they start pretty much talking the same, uh, uh, the same language uh, and analyze the same uh, the same KPIs. So 
Uh, in short, everything that related to customers, such as uh, 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 churn, churn uh, customer car, customer acquisition cost, really treat uh, my team to uh, to better to better understand how much we're investing in order to acquire a, a, a customer. Uh, and also based on this, also the which related to the churn, the the lifetime value of the customer. I think it's very important to understand in our industry uh, that the ratio is approximately it's uh, it takes you uh, in terms of the amount investing multiple five in order to acquire one customer versus to maintain a satisfied customer within the organization. Now. Tomer, I'm here based in New York, and you're, of course, uh, you're based in Israel, I believe. Uh, We'd love to understand how uh, the onset of the pandemic uh, impacted the business uh, from your geography, from where you are. Basically, the majority of the majority of the population in Israel are currently in the shelters in their place. We do have the ability to go for work. Uh, I can tell that you have the ability to about 15% of each employees within a company to basically work from the office and from a factory, etc. Uh, the majority of the people work from home. I think the action that the government took, you know, pretty, I, I would say in general, probably about, uh, they took an action about three, two to three weeks before the, before the rest of the world. I'll give you, give you kind of a personal example. I was in Italy, kind of in the mid mid February. Uh, I was a few days in the office. Then uh, I was traveling to New York for a meeting for a few days. When I came back from uh, sorry uh, to London, when I came back for, uh, uh, from London, I got a text, pretty much from the government from the cellular company, that due to the fact that on mid February I was in Italy, I need to get to self quarantine for the rest of the days until I'll complete uh, two weeks. So the action that was, was taken in Israel, it's kind of, I would say, compared to the world, was quite drastic and, uh, and pretty much in a few weeks before, uh, uh, before the rest of the world. But what, what we anticipate or what we learned during this process, uh, especially for a software company, that first, we can work from any place in the world. Uh, uh, secondly, it's, you know, it's sometimes even more organized to work from home, pretty much organized working from Zoom for the entire, entire company. We are facing some challenges with our customers because due to the fact that we are working with uh, an enterprise, enterprise customers and many things that we use to install on-prem and to meet the customer face-to-face, this is kind of a challenging that we are facing, and uh, we do believe that that post this crisis, the the entire you know environment worldwide will be different. But due to the fact that we, you know, as a cryon providing solution for automation and simplify certain things with the customer, from one angle we have certain challenges. From the from the other angle, we see a huge huge opportunity and needs uh, for our product.
We're going to uh, ask you for a finance strategic moment. And again, you've had many of these during the course of your uh, career, but we just want to hear about one of them. What would you share with us? So, so I, I think, and it's also related to this, uh, to this period, I really believe that you need to raise money when you can and not necessarily when you need it. And this is very important for this period. I would say that even during this period, we be able, because we started it kind of uh, a few months ago, not because we need money, because we said this is the right thing for the company in order to make sure that uh, uh, we'd be able to uh, continue executing the strategy and the the vision. Uh, And one of the decisions that we made is to start uh, to start around that eventually uh, we finished uh, on March 31st. From my perspective, under these circumstances, I had many, but if something that kind of I'll take take with me is uh, things are so unexpected. Sometimes you're waiting for a crisis, sometimes not. But if you well prepare and you make sure that you have a, a, a sufficient reserve to execute your strategy, uh, don't wait. Don't wait for the right time because the, the majority of the time there is no, there is no such things. And uh, for me, it's a strategic moment to be able, although these circumstances, to complete a great round about 10 days ago. When we return, Tomer Pinchus enters the mentoring round. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Tomar, we'd like to have you think back again for us. You had mentioned how you had a uh, a good mentor way back when, but uh, when you first took on a CFO role for the first time, there had to be some piece of advice that you wish someone had given you. Uh, and if you could, you'd go back in time and give it to yourself today. What would that have been? Uh so first, I will tell myself, you know, hire uh, the best team you can. Not necessarily the numbers of employees, but every employee that you hire trying that you was going to be uh, the best. Sometimes, as the, the people that kind of watching the budget, we found ourselves uh, uh, compromising. And I would say, and especially what I said before about the, 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 the position that I see as CFO, you have to make sure that you have talented team. Uh, in our case, you have to make sure that you have a super talented corporate controller or VP finance. That first, you trust him and, and you understand each other. So this is kind of uh, um, 
message they think it's important. Uh, if I may, you know, as I mentioned before, don't wait for the opportunity and make sure that you have uh, one source of data. Make sure you're super organized in terms of uh, data room, because especially when you join a company, you find yourself searching for many, many information uh, under many different uh, uh, people or department. Uh, so don't wait for the moment. Make sure that you have a very, very organized is there a book you'd recommend to future finance leaders? Doesn't have to be a business book. You know, there is one book that was written by one of my professors at Harvard Business School, a book called How Finance Works. And it's for people from finance background and it's to the entire management. You know, that's a uh, great choice and I'm surprised we haven't had it before. Again, the, the title was How Finance Works and the author is... Uh, Meher Desse, who's I believe Desse. If you if you Google how finance works, it'll quickly pop up. But it's uh, of the Harvard Business School professor Desse, and it's a great book for finance leaders who find themselves trying to explain uh, complex concepts uh, to others. Take a look at this book and see how uh, Professor Desse uh, does it. Thanks for a great selection. We're up to our final question, which is, as you look forward this next 12 months, what are your priorities going forward? So I would say that my main priority is uh, first to make sure that I have sufficient cash for, I would say, the next 24 months. Um, secondly, is to make sure that I kind of analyzing the situation, trying to understand not when this uh, COVID-19 will be ended, also how the, future, how the future will be for the entire industry within six to nine to 12 months. And I would say making sure that we maintain our vision and strategy and keep investing in our product. So to summarize, have enough cash, don't wait, wait until this is will be over take the necessary action from the company behavior from the strategy from the vision and keep investing in your differentiator which from our perspective it's our product tomar pinches thank you for joining us on cfo thought leader thank you very much Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.